I just slipped through an exam, and you're listening to a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. From slinging breakfast on Radio 1 to being the mayor who gets it done, it's time for our bi-weekly catch-up with Dunedin's mayor, Yes, Walking with Hawkins. That's right, we are right now. I'm joined by the mayor, Athamani Aaron. Kia ora, good morning. Welcome back, Jamie Green. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. It's uh, It's been a great week. It's been a great week being back on the ground, being back behind the microphone. As I said off air, I was quite nervous coming back, actually. Uh, and there were a couple of things I forgot to do, kind of. I was like, oh, God. I just took a little bit for the memory. Don't say it out loud. That's oh, all right. I'm an honest person. I'll let everybody know. <laughs> There's no hiding it. There's no hiding it. It's just how it goes. But, um, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you very much. Um, right. Let's get down to council business. Um, traffic light system um, came has come into effect under orange um, public facilities such as libraries, swimming pools, museums, town halls. Uh, accessible to everyone. Uh, this is the status from the government, I should say. Um, Accessible to everyone regardless of vaccination status. Why has the council chosen to make it man- vaccination mandatory to enter uh, the premises owned by the DCC? Uh, well, firstly, it's, uh, um, it's an important distinction to make that the, the decisions around health and safety are made by the chief executive of the council. It wasn't a it wasn't a political decision. I, I fully yes. support um, the way that staff have done, but. It isn't something that sits with us because we're not ultimately responsible for the health and well-being of our staff in the way that the chief executive is. Um, but just like organisations are doing up and down the country, not just in local government, but uh, universities and, uh, and, and private businesses and the like, uh, we went through and um, assessed the risk, basically, to uh, our staff and to our um, public uh, in, in, um, in, in using our venues and uh, facilities and some are mandatory by government order so gyms for example don't have a choice and there's a gym at Moana Pool which means that Moana Pool is covered by uh, the government's uh, by the government's mandate but uh, ultimately this is a decision that was taken in, in consultation with our staff and unions and elected members uh, is the best uh, option we had available to keep people safe uh, at this point in time and as with any of these things uh, will be um, reviewed on a reasonably regular basis in line with what is uh, evolving public health advice from government and uh, and evidence around um, how COVID is behaving and, and the various variants uh, that we have to deal with and and, and what having a a highly vaccinated population means for these mm. sorts of discussions, and it's it's important to remember that uh, while there's a lot of um, there's a lot of noise and static around uh, some of these debates, 98 percent of Dunedin people over the age of 12 are at least partially vaccinated. 94 percent are fully vaccinated, um, uh, and and I say eligible population because as we as we all know, uh, it's not available to children under the age of 12 and, and while they remain um, unprotected um, it's it's right to be uh, cautious in, in the interest of, of looking after them Yes, and that's going to change that's probably going to change soon anyway uh, as well Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't wait <laughs> uh, Yeah, they, they, they reckon um, they reckon late late January Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's, an, it's you know, I mean uh, regardless of the decision you take, someone is going to be excluded, and you ultimately have to make a decision about 
whether you exclude a group of people uh, based on individual choices that they have made and things that they have control of, i.e. people have chosen not to be vaccinated, or you exclude people uh, on the basis of their uh, age or health conditions uh, who wouldn't feel safe or wouldn't be comfortable using those facilities if they were uh, put at at risk. And those are things that they don't have uh, any control over and that they can't change. Yeah. And and I know um, through personal relationships with people that there are a lot of people like that that wouldn't choose to go places purely for that reason. Mm. Um, I've been nervous about taking my son to uh, the the art gallery or the cinema or whatever in the, in the current environment, particularly after the 15th of December. Mm, mm. Wow, you wait till you get to futsal at the Eager Centre. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, ca- unfortunately, cancelled for the for the the, the junior grade this year. But I, I am looking forward to that. Oh, my um, my my kids played. Went to the last game. I finally got to watch a game on Tuesday where uh, Moss scored two goals. Very proud. Uh, very go, proud. Very proud. Go Moss. Uh, <laughs> Long range bombers too. I might add. They were, and they won and they won and they won two 0 uh, <laughs> But you know, he's only one part of a team. That's right. <laughs> um, so just just to clarify this, because, you know, from what we read, you know, it says public facilities, so it's saying museums and um, art galleries, as you say, but the council owns many more facilities than that or runs many more facilities than that, um, you know, and so... It, some of them are kind of open-air facilities. We're talking about the University Oval. Uh, we're talking about the landfill, our favourite subject. Um, and then there's places like council housing. So this obviously doesn't apply to everywhere, right? Uh, no, just, I mean, uh, mostly it's, ven- it's venues and, and, and facilities. There are there are anomalies in, in the guidance. I mean, it, it seems that I'm not an epidemiologist. This has been well canvassed, but I, I you know, there are uh, restrictions on open air events that aren't ticketed or controlled, mm-hmm. um, but no restrictions on on events that are ticketed or controlled. So, you know, you can have 1,400 uh, people in close proximity dancing in the Union Hall, but you couldn't have. Uh, a couple of hundred people milling about uh, on at, a, at market day on the union lawn, and, and that seems um, odd to me. Yes, uh, and and those are the sorts of things I think that we are going to, you know, and and um, going to the cricket on Sunday at, at the university over Yes, it's a ticketed event, but you know you can sit anywhere you like on the on the embankment. So mm. being able to track uh, who you uh, where you were and 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 in whose proximity you were is is challenging, but you know all of this stuff is um, uh, is evolving and, uh, and and being worked through. But certainly doesn't apply to any of our public housing units because they're not um, they're not public facilities and, and we don't have staff there. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to think that you couldn't sit anywhere you wanted at the cricket because it was so packed out. Uh, that there was hardly a space there for local spark and. Um Vault games and go to the spark. Well, you're, pretty safe, you're pretty safe. At the, you're pretty safe at the Plunkett Shield. I think. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you came into contact with another person, uh, you'd be uh, you'd be unlucky. Oh, I love the Plunkett Shield. 
Uh, Yeah, go back to five days, though. Four-day cricket. I'm not into it. Um, Right, uh, moving along. Uh, Transport. The council voted this week uh, to request a meeting with the ORC, which I find extraordinary in itself, uh, to discuss working together on public transport issues, ideas and improvements. It was passed for... I don't know why you have to do a motion to have a meeting with another council, but it was passed for uh, nine to four. You voted against, arguing that building infrastructure necessary for public transport, which the DCC does, and running the service which the ORC does, should not be spread between between two councils. And you're probably right on this, Aaron, um, but we both know that the ORC aren't going to give you the bus keys anytime soon. So isn't it kind of, isn't it time to work together for better outcomes for the public? Uh, I don't think anyone sitting around the council table, table is looking for uh, meetings that don't have a purpose uh, or, or aren't going to achieve an outcome. And, and we've been making submissions and having meetings and talking to people and um, and filing these uh, sorts of concerns for as long as I've been involved, uh, and we've uh, and we've achieved um, uh, very little in, in terms of having an actual influence on how our public transport system works. And I, I don't I don't think there's a I don't think there's a magical reason that we will be better at doing it than the regional council. It just makes sense, and it's council's view uh, that that it should be. Uh, are governed by us so that we can plan it alongside the roads and footpaths and parking and cycle lanes and all that other infrastructure because it is an integrated system. But when it's um, governed by two different groups, uh, for, for all the will in the world, that's always going to be uh, harder than it needs to be. And, and secondly, there's a, there's a democratic question, I think, and that for us to be able to get a greater degree of investment in our bus service that requires support of all six of the uh, elected Dunedin uh, councillors on the ORC, when there are six, there's only five now, which makes it even harder, and then you need support from people outside of this city uh, to fund work that we want to happen at the expense of projects that might be going on in Cromwell or Queenstown or, or Middlemarch or whatever. And that's a really, that makes, that's a really high bar politically in, in terms of being able to get, uh, get improvements made. Mm-hmm. And, and my and and, and uh, you know we make these sorts of overtures every now and every now and again. And, and my my real concern is that you end up in a situation where you have the illusion of influence. So we, we set up a, a group where we get to go and talk about things that we would like to see happen, uh, but have no meaningful decision making authority. Uh, you get the worst of both worlds where. Um, you end up taking the blame for things that you have no control over. We we will, and, you know, this meeting will go ahead like many other meetings before it, um, and we will continue in the the background to figure out a way of um, being able to plan our transport network in an integrated fashion. It's certainly a a concern equally in Queenstown Lakes District uh, who want to be able to control their public transport system, and and, we're talking to... Uh, to QLDC about uh, how we might approach this in a in a collective way to get a better outcome for our respective communities. The, the entire reason that it sits with the regional council is based on um, effectively something that needed to happen to make Wellington and Auckland work. So when you had you know, five or six different territorial territorial authorities within uh, your network, getting them to all work together to design and, and, and invest in that would have been um, impossible. So they gave it to Auckland Regional Council, as it was then, and the Greater Wellington Regional Council, because they covered the expanse of that uh, of that metropolitan area. It makes yeah. no sense 
Otago, where the two networks sit, um, wholly within uh, two territorial authorities. Yeah, where's Anthony Tonham when you need him? Um, just quickly... Tonganui. Yeah, that's right. Taking, that's, even, take, <laughs> taking control of even more arcane public transport infrastructure. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> just quickly before we go, I want to um, just quickly talk on um, Kote Tuhono. Um, it was open to the public in the weekend. Um, I caught up with Aisha Green yesterday for a pre-record that I'll play out tomorrow. But I just want to say, you know, what a fantastic thing for the city. Amazing, um, eh? A representation of mana whenua in the heart of the city about time. Um, mm. You know, and it's the council art team and the runanga of Otako is to be commended. And everybody else involved as well. It's just so beautiful, Aaron. Um, you know, yeah. what the piece represents, the story, the tonga. Um, it's just so great. Yeah, it's a great story, and I think um, when you think about uh, interpretation and how we how we make it easier for people to to, to know that story, and I, I won't spoil it for your listeners for tomorrow. But mm. um, look, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a long time coming. I couldn't be prouder that this was the project that kicked off our um, our public art program, which has been um, brought back to life in recent times, as you say. Um, you know, in the in the heart of the city, where so many of our, um, or so much of our settler history, our colonial history, history is very prominent in mm. the Robbie Burns statue and the town hall building and so on. Uh, but our mana whenua stories uh, have been largely absent. And um, there's some great work going on in the city um, in trying to rebalance that, and we're seeing that incorporated into architecture and design at the at the university and at the Polytechnic and, and with the new um, ACC building and, and those sorts of things. Uh, it's, it's work that uh, we're doing when we're looking at the George Street redesign and, and incorporating those cultural narratives into the fabric of our built environment. But now, you know, this very vivid example in the in the city looking back out to uh, Otako is, uh, is, uh, is pretty special and, and couldn't have happened without well, a number of people supporting yeah. it. Uh, culturally and spiritually and um, and physically and curatorially, but uh, the the Runangas certainly deserve uh, particular thanks yes. for the work that they did supporting Asia. Yeah, yeah, it's so great, it's so great. I got a little bit tearful about it when I was talking to her about it yesterday. Mm. To be honest, mm. um, yeah, it's it's such an important piece, and it's gonna you know it's gonna be there forever, and that's gonna be funny for her every time she walks past it. She said she can't stop staring at it. She's like, I'm looking at it too much. I'm staring at it too much. <laughs> Um, so look directly into the sun. Yeah, that's right. All right, awesome. Thank you so much, um, Aaron. Pleasure. Please all mine. Thanks, yeah, Amy. Yeah, thanks. Have a wonderful day, mate. You too. Right, that was the mayor, Aaron Hawkins. Oh, why did I turn that bit up? Um, radio from perhaps the last time of the year. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. Maybe do a special. That was a Radio One ninety one FM podcast. But find more at r1.co.nz.